Hello, listening audience. I'm Phyllis Dickerson, the CEO for the African American Mayors Association. And we are at Our Mayors Podcast, breaking it down. So today, my co-host is Mayor Van Johnson from the great city of Savannah, Georgia. Welcome, Thank you. So glad to be on this ride. It's been a ride. It has. It has indeed. So, Van, joining us today is the amazing Terry Bouchard from Amazon, but more importantly... In the flesh. <laughs> in the flesh. I mean, like, here. Yeah. She Literally, stopped by to yeah. actually see us, yeah. right? Um, because she travels every single week, yeah. right? And um, she is chair of our Corporate Business Council, which is not an easy job because it's getting I, bigger and bigger. I saw, I watched, I actually just, I snuck in and saw the... Uh, the business, it's like, you know, you thought it was at the, you know, the stock exchange. It was just all of these, <laughs> you know, Fortune 500 business folks up in here. And she's like corralling them. I learned from the best. Yeah, that's, that's true. Here. She's like, all right, y'all be quiet now. We can right. Get, yes. So, Terry, how has it been being the chair of our Corporate Business Council for the African American Mirrors Association? I have to tell you, I um, have the pleasure of working with many groups, about 30 groups across the country. And... You know, if there was a favorite among favorites, because everyone is equally a favorite, it would definitely be this organization. Um, I just have a passion for the work that mayors do. The mayors are usually first out the gate to solve a problem, first out the gate um, to attend church and to talk to that, that member about what they need. And the first line of defense for, for anything. And so growing up in a, a city where we did not have a black mayor, I just have so much respect for the work that they do. And so it's truly an honor um, to play a small role by being chair of the business council. So I ordered some stuff from Amazon, right? And it hasn't come to me yet. Who should I call? No, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, could, I, I, I could help myself. But, um, you know, we, we've seen really the magic that can happen when uh, our corporate community and, and nonprofits and governments can work together. And you said you work with about 30 groups. And I wanted to know about your experience of seeing that synergy of, of magic happening, kind of, you know, the the, the end of, of government or the end of uh, nonprofits opportunities, becoming opportunities for business to then help and engage. How, what, what are your thoughts about that? I'll actually give you a little bit of a backstory that not many people know. So lobbying is my second career. Um, literally, I've been lobbying for 20 years, and it is truly a passion of mine. But I decided about three, four years ago to go back to school um, to study social enterprise and social impact and decided to get a master's in that because I recognize that my lobbying work Many times it could be transactional. I need to talk to you about a piece of legislation. But the piece that I love the most and the piece that had the most impact with others was the piece that was transformational. And so the the power of the three P worlds where you bring public-private partnerships along with policy, it truly is where that happens, exactly what you laid out. And so the way I explain it to most people is, The job I have today and the work that I do with you all is at the intersection of policy, equity, and impact, but truly looking at, you know, what is the systemic issue we're trying to change? What are the systems that are in place? And looking at the policy to address that, but looking at the programs of organizations to move the needle forward, because that's what you can bring as a mayor um, to truly have that impact on the ground. 
So what excites you about that? Oh my gosh, there's so much of it. When you when you think about it, I say leaders turn moments into movements. And each of us can be a leader at a moment. But we have to figure out well, what is it that drives us? So sometimes you might be called to build. You might need to raise a new nonprofit or build a church. Then other days you just might be called to support. You know, So I get to support Alma every day by recruiting new members or just talking about the mission. Um, or, or even if you believe in Habitat for Humanity, when you build that house, you're supporting the mission. Other days you might amplify it by tweeting or donating or just showing up to a rally. And so I think the more that we can explain to people, you can build, support, and amplify, then everyone will see that they can play a small role in truly transforming their cities under your leadership, of course. That's right. <laughs> right. So as chair, how has it allowed you to evolve and grow? Oh, my gosh. I, I'm so sad. I have four months left. And I tell my boss every day, I'm like. We can extend it. I mean, we, we, <laughs> you know, I know some people. You know, if you want to go ahead and yeah. re-up, I mean, we can. We can discuss this. But it's just so much fun. I get to share the wins, you know, and a lot of times corporations want to join, but they feel like they don't have the money. So it's let's talk about what you do have and maybe where you can fit in. But let's also talk about maybe how AMA can help fill a business need or a measurable outcome that you need at your organization. And so when you begin to flip the switch for people to allow them to see how the work that Alma does can be embedded very seamlessly in their everyday life. Then they, they see the buy-in, they see the magic, and they, they come. And so for me, that's just been so much fun. And I got to meet so many people that I would have not met otherwise um, from parts of the country. I just met the mayor from, I want to say Kingston, but it's Kington, K-I-N-T-O-N, North Carolina. Um, I would never have met him if it were not for this role, you know? Uh, he was at the meeting yesterday and wanted to talk about some things that we discussed. And so the evolution truly is expanding my lens of the way that mayors work and, and the, the view, the vantage point of a small mayor versus a mid-sized mayor like yourself and a, a big city mayor. So I, I just, I enjoy this so much. Um, so a lot has been made uh, about black mayors, African-American mayors. Um, how do you see that as being an opportunity um, as it relates to the bigger space of just mayors in general? Um, and so you've had a very, very um, interesting vantage point to see the unique needs of, of African-American mayors or mayors who happen to be African-American. Yeah, I, I think it definitely it's not the same. Um, and so we the privilege that we have this week is we're here in D.C. Um, during the U.S. Conference of Mayors annual meeting. We've had ancillary meetings for AMA. Um, we definitely get to see how that works in both settings, right? And so what I love most about both organizations is the mayors from AMA, they, they lead in AMA, they lead well, and they also lead at USCM. Um, so mayors have the ability just to be flexible. But I think a lot of times for Black mayors in particular, um, and just black people in general, we have this desire to help our community. We feel like we have to, right? So not only do you have to address tax you know, issues or uh, avoiding your budget or whatever is the issue of the day, you're also wanting every single day to impact your community. And that's just an extra burden. So I think what AMA does is help to relieve that. What are the systems that you need um, truly to do your job every day? 
And so the role of corporate council members are looking at the resources internally in our own organization and bringing those to the table so that you can focus on just doing your job well and we can help you fulfill that legacy that you want to leave behind. So I know some business council members, when they get that phone call from the mayor, they're like, oh crap, what did we do, right? right? <laughs> but because you have relationship, talk about uh, the importance of already having that relationship in place so that when you get a call from Mayor Frank Scott Jr., who is our president and of from Little Alma, Rock, Arkansas. you're just like, hey, so what's the difference? Well, I I actually just mentioned this to a colleague. Um, I had some colleagues that came with me to the reception last night that Alma had. And it's just like inviting someone to your house. You're going to get to know them before you invite them to your house, right? You're going to get to know them before you lay out all your good crystal and put on your nice clothes <laughs> to serve them a meal. And so I, truly we want the opportunity to meet everyone before we go to your house, your, your city office, and talk to you about the issue of the day. And so I, I love that we can do that in a setting that isn't tense, that's fun, and it's a build around these principles that we all have as a community, which is just being family. And, and Terry has a personal story about her mom meeting Mayor Scott. Oh, my gosh. And so share your story about how you guys, how she met him, and then what happened after that. Oh, my that. gosh. It's actually a funny story. So my mother came with me last year to the, the banquet at the annual conference, and she had so much fun. She helped court with all the mayors. Told them exactly where their malls were. <laughs> told the mayor of Birmingham she loved his mall because there was a bus that would drop her off at the car after she shopped. You know, told the, the mayor of Montgomery she wanted more boutiques. Oh. And so she was talking to Mayor Scott, and my mother was a, a principal for a very long time at a school that was challenged. And she told him she wanted to, to go and see Little Rock High School or Central, Central High. High. Central yeah. High. I want to get it right. Graduate over here. Graduate. Dickerson. Yes, and so he arranged for, he was like, when you come for work, you should bring your mom. And so I, I, I told her, I was like, hey, Mayor Scott says you're welcome next time I go for work. And so she drove down with my cousin from Lafayette, Louisiana to Little Rock. And he arranged for just a very special tour of her. She got to meet the first female principal wow. of the school who's been there for long, more than 20 years. Yeah. So last night, she, she actually texted me while I was at the reception. And she said, you were on your way to the reception. Is my friend, Mayor Frank, there? <laughs> but now if you ask Mayor Scott about my mother, he will tell you my mom said his city was very clean. And anytime she saw a piece of paper on the ground, she would pick it up and let him know where it was. Wow. So he could keep track of, you know. Well, so, so but, but I didn't hear about what she thought about the malls in Little Rock. We ended up going to, Phyllis will know because she's a Little Rock native. We went to the Purse Museum. It's the only purse museum in the country. And yeah, I guess you wouldn't know. <laughs> because some of them are yours. This lady has a lot of purses. Oh, she, she does. And she, she has a maid. So, um, so I, from a business delivery standpoint, um, how is it helpful for you to literally talk to mayors from across the country and, and all of us are different. Our needs are different. How does that help you when you're translating that into a business strategy um, when you go to your work every day? Yeah. I So, and hopefully you guys will feel this way about me and the way that I approach this work. I don't even think about it as business strategy. I get to hear firsthand what are the needs in your community. Right. Then I get to go and advocate for you, right. which is no different when I need to come and have a conversation and advocate 
for the place that I work. Um, and so I think if we all approach our day-to-day in that manner, then there, it's just a win-win situation for all. Um, and nothing brings me more joy than to advocate for what you need. Um, because that's the only way that, you know, I can fulfill the, my personal mission along the side of my company's organizational mission. But you can't advocate for people that you don't know. And so this position allows you to know. It allows you to build those relationships for relationships sake and not, you know, something more transactional. You know, it's just, you know, we know you and, you know, you, you hang out at the receptions with us and, you know, we have a grand time. All of those things. So, um, Terry, so talk, I'm going to switch to Terry personally. Oh, so, Grubware, <laughs> and then what was your deep now. Track? Here it comes. Yeah, what was your career track to get you to, and then tell us about your position you have now. Well, I tell everyone, I am just blessed. Like, community services in my DNA. My grandparents, both on my mother's side and my father's side, they were super embedded in their church. And we're from Louisiana, and it's the largest black Catholic diocese in the country where I live. Really? Yeah. And it's just this rich history. Everything revolves around um, Catholicism and the part of Louisiana that I'm from. And so my mom's family in particular, um, they were fortunate. They had a car. But most families back in the day didn't have a car. And I actually learned during Christmas that my grandfather was a sharecropper, which I knew. But I don't think I fully understood what that meant for my family. So my uncle, who's the youngest, and he's not 60 yet, he picked cotton until he was 10. So when we think about, you know, generational wealth or slavery, I mean, I'm one removed. Um, You know, my my uncle cut the turkey, (laughs) you know, Thanksgiving and was there on Christmas Day. Um, He picked cotton. And so they were super blessed. They had a business. They had a car. But they would see families walking down the street going to mass, walking five and six miles, you know, before a hurricane, because we definitely go to mass before a hurricane. And they decided to build a church that was closer. So they built a church just a couple of blocks from the Martin Luther King Center in Lafayette. And that became the pillar of our family. I was baptized there. My parents were married there. And my my father, um, he was active on the finance council and Back in 2010, the church burned down completely. Wow. And my parents raised their hand. They became the next generation of movement makers, I say, church builders. So my mom kept all the records, got all the volunteers together, figured out where they were going to have mass in the meantime. My dad began the capital campaign and organizing the budget to build the new church. And I think it was during that period that I truly understood that you know, leaders turn moments into movements. But the movements we built, they're not for the people we know. And you'll know this. They're for the people we'll never meet. Right. Right? And so my dad, um, who picked the limestone for the church, the sign outside, the church doors open um, just two months. So he got to see the church doors open. And two months later, we buried him on the very altar that he selected. Wow. With, you know, all a beautiful moment of priests and nuns that were there. Now, they, they all, back in the day, they used to go to my mom and dad's house on Friday for a little crown royal and a little gumbo. <laughs> we call were, it libations. In there. <laughs> we got to have some good food in Louisiana. But they were all there, white, black, Asian, you know, um, there to celebrate his funeral mass. Yeah, so I, I learned to give first before you ask 
to take something from my family. And faith has been a very big part of your journey as well. So what was your career track? So, um, and I actually said this when we sat down today. So when I was 16, I decided I wanted to be Barbara Walters because, you know, we, we, we didn't have all these beautiful black women on TV then. And so I became a television reporter. I get checked out of school, have my own camera crew, would interview the attorney general about clicking our ticket. That's how old I am. About why we should wear seatbelts because seatbelts really wasn't a law back then. Why would do that? <laughs> exactly. Helmets on a motorcycle? What are you talking about? And then I would go back to school, but I would write my own scripts, cut my own video. Um, and so I worked in a TV station all the way through the time when I was 23. Um, worked full time my last year at LSU. Worked at three TV stations, Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Columbia, South Carolina, and decided to leave. Wanted to be more hands on the ground, um, truly focused on serving the community in a different way, but still giving people access to information so that they can use it for good. And so I made my way into politics, was a press secretary for Alex Sanders in 2002. Um, he was running for Strom Thurmond's seat. It was a beautiful moment in South Carolina politics. And unfortunately, we lost. And that was when I became a lobbyist. So it was 20 years ago. And no coincidence, I was going to say coincidence, but no coincidence, that night we lost the election. I turned to Steve Benjamin, who at the time was running for attorney general. He and Rick Wade were the first black men, just African-Americans in general, to run for statewide office. And that was in 2002. So he lost his race. And I looked at him. I was like, what am I going to tell my parents? For the first time since I was 16, I didn't have a plan or a job. And he said, you should become a lobbyist. And that's what happened. You know, she brought up SEC. So, you know, she went to LSU. Go Tigers. So, go Tigers. Yeah. And so, um, how involved are you in SEC football? You know, I can't. Oh, before we go to that, um, so, so how did it feel when Georgia played uh, LSU? <laughs> you know what? I mean, oh, I'm sorry. Wait, let me, let me, I'm sorry. Let me change it. When the back to back um, <laughs> national champion Georgia Bulldogs. They how did it, it how did it feel to take an L? I'm just wondering. They call that new money. Yeah. That's what they call that. But how did, how did, how did, how did that L feel? New champions. But how did that L feel? Well, all I'm going to say is let the 2019 LSU Tigers, Fighting Tigers, play the 20, 2022 Georgia Bulldogs. And let's see how that feels. There you go. It's all about SEC football in the South. Oh right? my God. It's, it's everything. Even and in Arkansas, Arkansas, too. We're in the SEC. Yes. Are y'all really? Yeah. They are. They are. They are. Who's y'all ranking? No. Oh. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> you always answer. You always say, it was a building year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think, and, I, and I've said that, um, I feel like the SEC is a monopoly. Um, you know, outside of the last couple of years, um, Clemson. Oh, I mean, yeah. everything has been. I mean, break break that up. The other tigers with a fake death valley. Bro but they <laughs> break it up. Let's break it up and just you know scatter everybody and you know make make these conferences a little bit more competitive because you know uh, I, I figured they were trying to find some kind of way for to get Alabama in there. They were trying hard. The math didn't work though. Uh, it, it didn't work. And really, <laughs> you know, the thing about it, the um, you know, I think the other game was a little more. Well, Ohio State was much more competitive. I think I was. Zone. I was nodding by the it's second. It's the Ohio State. 
Well, it was it was the Ohio State because <laughs> they lost. <laughs> I mean, very barely, but uh, you know, I mean, I think it's just. So, Terry, I know you travel a lot. So, She's how not do you? Yeah, I'm just wondering. Why? Why is that? Let's talk about that. Yeah, how do you balance? She didn't bring her mom to Savannah. She didn't, <laughs> she didn't bring her mom. Her mom didn't get a chance. Even She's on the way. She is on the way. She's begging to go to Charleston. <laughs> I could throw a rock and we'll be there. Hundred. Yeah. It's literally a hundred miles, but go ahead. Yeah. So, how do you do the work life balance? Because you know, as a as a female, sometimes our families don't understand like our work and it's why hard. you can't make it yeah. to the My family mom, gathering. She texted today. She's like. And she knew we had a late night, a lot of multiple, multiple receptions. But I'm still required, as old as I am, born in the 70s, to text when I get home. I, I didn't text last night because I just fell asleep. And she's like, you didn't text me. But um, so I, I actually believe in something what I call the Great Reset, and I did a TEDx talk about it. And I think so many times we let work lead. And this is something I had to learn. Work can't always lead. Because many times we pick our careers or we decide our journeys based off the legacy we want to leave behind. But so why are we not reversing that and letting our legacy and the things that we value most have the most value in our schedule? And so I am real brand new in this space, trying to figure it out myself. But I work backwards from what do I need this week just to be me and to show up? Because when I don't show up, like with sleep, having a healthy meal and just a little bit of rest. I can't be myself. And we already said that we win when we're ourselves with our family members. You're vegan? Plant-based on the weekends. How'd you know that? I don't know. I just, when you say, oh, I said, I said, she's a vegan. <laughs> Plant-based on the weekends. I, I do love steak. And how many hours of sleep do you generally try to get at night? I'm not the best. So when we're in conference season, it's going to be like four hours a night in general. But when I'm home, I'm religiously in bed by eight. Many times, like, like asleep by nine, nine thirty. Be- between eight and nine, I'm just listening to classical music. I don't want to think. I don't want to do anything. Phone is off. And that's just how I recharge. You know, I um, I really value my alone time too. I am an extreme introvert. Um, so if y'all no, ever, seen, ever see me in a corner, I just need a moment. Leave me. <laughs> so who's your favorite uh, composer? I listen to the Calm app, so I don't even know these things. <laughs> but Calm app or Brain.fm, and you can just choose how long you want it to play. And then it goes from classical music to guided sleep. And I love the guided sleep. Because when you travel a lot, what I realize, you wake up in the middle of the night and you wonder, you look around like, where am I? Oh, what day of the week it is. Yes. You know? So when I set my alarm, I have all my routines. So when I set my alarm the night before, um, there's going to be one alarm. This morning it was at 628 and it was like 2023 is going to be a great year. 629, it was like today's going to be a great day. That's what it says? Yeah. 630, it says it's time to wake up. <laughs> it is, and then it, period, it is Thursday. And every day I change it to it is Thursday. It is Friday. Um, but that way you're, I'm setting the intention of the kind of day I want to have and giving myself, you know, those three prompts, which for me, they're also tied to the, um, the Holy Trinity. So remind me, that's how my day got started. And then I, I'm off to the races. But I will always have a shower spray. Um, smells like the spa. We'll always have a candle. And I'll always have a little um, supplement in the IV hydration. And I think, like, those things keep me... IV hydration? You, it's a powder you stick in your water. 
And it's oh, I was saying that you're giving yourself an IV. I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, no. <laughs> Multi-talented, but not like that. <laughs> oh, I'm sitting here like, oh my gosh, she's sitting in here giving herself an IV. So yes, so bring your spa on the road and, and vegan on the weekends. There you go. Yeah. I'm gonna try that vegan on the weekend. Sakara, love Sakara. Yes, yes. So as we end this conversation, one of the things we've asked people is. What is your one word for this year? And why did you pick that? Yes. I'm sure she thought about this already. I wrote a blog article about it. Come on now. <laughs> TerryBReadings.com. But my word is allow. That's my one word. And when I have the real conversation with myself, it's surrender and allow. I think too many times we put ourselves in a box or we want to plan our life or we want to plan the day or our career. And I'm starting to see that my biggest blessings are the things that I didn't plan for. So how many times have I blocked my blessing because I wanted to stick to the original plan? Um, So we're only 19 days in this year, but I will tell you every single day I've had a miracle. And I've started a journey to write them down, but also to have a moment of gratitude just to say thank you. Thank you. You know, I'm a faithful person. We definitely established that, but, you know, to God but also to the universe um, because I believe I get blessings there every day and to my, my angels and my family, you know, that are above um, and thanking them for just guiding me along the journey. Who's your patron saint? Oh, I'm named after St. Renee, but my confirmation saint was St. Teresa. Little flower. There you go. So thank you, Terry. She has to leave. <laughs> We have to leave. We have to end it. We, I don't think it's really her. I don't think she's here. I think it's she's like a hologram, and she's really in some meeting somewhere across the street. That happens um, sometimes. As I'm saying, see, I mean, she's probably doing some other meeting somewhere else. So, But it's been an absolute pleasure. Y'all are so much fun. I love this. Thank you. Yes, they, man, I don't think we say enough thank you to both of you, you know, being in Little Rock, being here, juggling all the things, making sure this organization not only runs, but grows. And the you just... <laughs> to fill us. Yes. Yes, honey. We got to give more positive reasons, We do. Right? We do. And thank you to you for making sure the youth in your city get to travel and see things that they might not experience otherwise. She did her research on me. <laughs> but, but she couldn't come to Savannah, but she did her research. She's on the way. On the way. Well, more importantly, we had her mom to come and visit. <laughs> See what kind of so, great thank you, mom. thank you again, Terry, for not only um, supporting Ama, but being yes. the chair of our corporate oh, business gosh, council. So can much. we get some more? Can we get and being, she is the number one recruiter to our corporate I'm saying, business council. Can we? Can we just get her? For, you know, well, that I think I think we have yeah, changed. Yes, we have a great chair of the way. Okay, all right. Yes. So thank you, thank, thank you, you, and thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you.